rejected, despised of men, suffering death's awful sting. Christ brought salvation at Calvary, now creation must sing.
Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Thank you, Becky, also for your accompaniment. Well done, well done. Last week we had a Christmas thaw, and today we have one, trying to do that throughout the month. And uh, I found just one verse we're going to look at, and of course go off of that. So you, uh, you stay with me. Uh, a little bit today, I think you'll get a blessing. I got a blessing studying uh, this. Sometimes, you know, you go through your duty and you come up with thoughts you think will help the church. Then there are just certain sermons that just really bless my blesser, and this was one of them. So I'm looking forward to it. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, you know the verse. And without controversy, there's no argument. Without controversy, great is the mystery. Notice that word, the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. What a verse. Of course, we know that's Jesus. People say he's not God. They're wrong. God was manifest in the flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the singing and the piano playing and the choir. Oh, it was just wonderful today. You've prepared our hearts, Lord, with good music. I pray, Lord, that you'd grip our hearts now. Gather us in to your Holy Spirit. Help us to focus on what's being said from the pulpit today. Not me. Help them not see me. Help them see you, Lord, through the pages of your Bible. Dear Holy Spirit, do the work that we cannot do. 
There may be some here today that do not know Jesus as their Savior. Maybe someone does not believe Jesus is God. Maybe someone's not into the holiday season of Christmas. But Holy Spirit, you do the work. You do the preaching. You do the drawing. Please, you do the convincing. As well as the conviction. Bring a soul to Jesus today. Be with the saints today. Lord, encourage their hearts with these truths. Truths we know, but Lord, help them not to get old to us. And be with those today that are in bereavement. Comfort them. Many, Lord, just recently have lost mothers and fathers, wives. And Lord, it's been a difficult time. Please comfort them. Give them peace Help them to realize that their loved ones are with you now. Now bless the preaching of your word, Lord, not only in this auditorium, but please be in our junior church today with the children and the workers. Please be with our deaf church assembling today also around thy word. Bless the church, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God became flesh. My emphasis today, as you will see, God became man. Jesus was the God-man. When I was in Bible college years ago, I, hold, I had a professor that said that he was 100% God and 100% man. When you first said that, I didn't know if I could understand that, but it's true. It's true. 100% God, 100% man. God brought forth his son, born of a virgin. Born in Bethlehem for you and I and for our redemption. What a story. We call that the incarnation. God come in the flesh. Now, the cults, and let me point this out this morning, all of them, the cults, have it wrong when it comes to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Now, I won't go into all the different things they're wrong about with Jesus Christ, but this idea that he is God, the cults don't believe it. They say that Jesus was a mere man. A teacher, a healer, a helper, a good man. But they might even say he was a great man, but they'll never say that he's God. Matter of fact, they teach against that. Go to your Gospel of John just for a moment. I know many of you know this, but it's good to review, and some of you may not. But the Word of God in John's Gospel, chapter 1, is very clear on who the Word is. And the Word became flesh, you see. The Bible says in John's Gospel, verse 1, And the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word, excuse me, the Word uh, was with God. And the Word was God. Notice it's capital Word. Now, not picking on a certain cult, but the Jehovah Witnesses teach that Jesus was a God. And they, they make this... God word little g. This, is, this word God means Elohim, the triune God. Jehovah God. Three gods in one person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Even though we may not wrap our mind around that, it's truth. It's what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says everything that was made was made by Jesus Christ. And it says, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Drop down to verse 10 for time. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as receive him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Watch verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Wonder who that's talking about. Look at verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. That's who it's talking about. Jesus was God incarnate. Jesus was God in the flesh. Come to man. And that's the Christmas story. Yet the cults believe and teach that he was not God. They believe that Jesus was, the, was a good man, but they don't believe that he was the God man. They don't believe that Jesus could be God, but they believe that man can be God's. That's their doctrine. Some believe that Jesus was God, but that his earthly mother was co-God. A goddess. Equal with Christ. Co-redeemer. No such thing in the Bible. The problem with the belief of Jesus not being God, that false doctrine is not found in the Bible. The Bible attests that he is very God. Jesus Christ is God in flesh, God incarnate, God the Word. So ladies and gentlemen, today I want to focus on this facet of the Christmas story, and that's the God-man, Jesus Christ. The Bible's very clear that Jesus was God and that he was co-equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Galatians 4, 4, In the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And we read our verse in 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, no argument, no debate. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Yes, Proverbs 30, verse 4, who hath descended up into heaven or descended? Who gathereth the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the water in a garment? Who hath established the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? If thou canst tell, well, that's Jehovah and his son's name, Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And Matthew 1, 21, and she shall bring forth her son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins, Luke 1, 31. And behold, get this, don't miss this, that's what it means. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. That's the facts. That's, that's the word of God. 
And the world even recognizes the historical fact of Jesus Christ. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones, excuse me, he's a deep writer. My pastor used to love him. I like him, but boy, I tell you what, he gets deep sometimes. You got to dig in there. That's okay, though. We need to study to show ourselves approved, even when we read books about the Bible. But he made this, he made this statement. I love it. Facts are stubborn things. <laughs> he said, the Christian faith is not a philosophy. It is not merely teaching. It is based on a series of historical events. The teaching derives from and is grounded in the historical events. That can never be emphasized too much, he says, because this is the point of which all faith differs from every other called religion. This. Don't, don't confuse me with the facts. The Word of God is inspired, preserved. It's what we use for all matters of faith and practice. And this book here tells me that Jesus is God. That's a fact. Jesus said through prophets that he was God. The psalmist spoke that Jesus was God. He said in Psalm 40 verse 7, Lo, I come in the volume of a book. It is written of me. This story of Christmas is a story long ago in the Old Testament, come through the New Testament. And we saw in the epistles of the, uh, the letters to the churches, all the doctrine proves that Jesus Christ is God. So my message today is this. The irrefutable, unchangeable fact of Christmas. It's my thought today. You can't refute it. You can't change the facts. Christmas is all about Jesus Christ. That God became man. Again, we looked at 1 Timothy 3.16. It tells us all those things. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen in vain. Something else about that verse. It's an amazing verse. I need, to get, I need to go back and find that message. I don't know. I, found, I did a message one time years ago about that particular verse. In every one of those places... Those references to Jesus is, starts with a letter B. He was born in Bethlehem. Then he went to Bethany. Then they bet, went to Bethphage. It's amazing. God outlines it all in B's to show us a different facet of the character of Jesus Christ. And where he went and what he did and why he did it. I've got to find that. I've got to look for that. that. That's worthy of a redo. Amen. But this, of course, this verse is talking of Jesus Christ being God. Jesus was born of a virgin. He came uh, forth in a lowly barn stall. He was placed in a manger. That's a feeding trough for animals. He was, his birth was announced by angels and shepherds and eventually kings. A wonder of wonders that God came in the flesh. He became man. And the reason why, this is the cornerstone of our faith, is because we needed a man. Man had to be redeemed by man. God didn't send angels to redeem us. I'll talk about that. We needed a man. Ezekiel says, God sought for a man among them. Build up the gap. But he found none. And that was showing that man just couldn't do everything God needed him to do. But in the may of salvation, God knew in his perfect, wonderful plan 
that he needed his son to go and become the God-man to redeem fallen man. Oh, wonder of wonders. Wonder of wonders. 1 Timothy chapter 2, listen, verse 5 and 6. The Bible says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. God became man who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Paul says, wherefore I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ. I lie not. So Christmas has so much to do, don't miss this, with the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus was God come and took upon him the form of man. To redeem man. He wanted this so emphasized and so understood that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 45. He said, and so it is written, listen, the first man, Adam. Remember him, our forefather? Was made a living soul. The last Adam, that's Christ, was made a quickening spirit. In verse 47, Paul adds, the first man is of earth. That's Adam. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. That's pretty clear. Jesus being the second Adam, the last man, our representative of mankind to redeem mankind. We don't listen to the Christmas songs. I know Tom's been using That's wonderful. We sang the other night this song. I'll just give you the joy to the world. Isaac Watts wrote this song in 1719. And we often just sing it, but don't pay attention to the doctrine of it. He says, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Capital L, the Lord. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Talking about rejoicing. Why should we sing? Why should we rejoice? What's all the excitement is? The Lord came to earth. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. He came to be the God man to redeem mankind. That's time to rejoice. That's to be joyful. Not because you're out shopping. Not because you're enjoying Olga's at the mall. Now that's a good thing. But the song's about the joy of Christmas, not the, the tree and the packages and the presents, and that's all good, that's fine. But it's about Jesus. Listen to this. This song here makes me cry. It, it, I mean, all of them are good, but this one is so full of truth. Hark the herald angels sing. Charles Wesley wrote this in 1739. A little after Cal was born. <clears throat> he, needs, he needs a little, yeah. Listen, listen to the word. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ 
is born in Bethlehem. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold he come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Pay attention to that, they're saying. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Oh, so good. Please, listen to this line. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. It's getting better. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he bring. Resin with healing in his wings. Mild he lay his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. And here it is. Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness. Now we face, as new visage, God became flesh. God became man. God became the second, the last Adam for you and I to be saved. And here's what it says. Stamp thine image in its place. Final Adam from above. Reinstate us in thy love. I submit to you that most people hearing that song in the mall going Christmas shopping, they're not even paying attention. Saints, pay attention. That is a, such a wonderful truth of Christmas that sometimes with all the wrappings we forget. God! God came in the flesh. God became man that he might win man. It's essential that we understand that this is part of salvation. That there be a man to represent the human race before God and deal with man's sin problem. The man Jesus was the God-man. We must understand this. And I want to talk to you about a few things, and we'll so to hang with me, a few things about this man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. First of all, God said we needed a man. It's essential for our salvation there be a man to represent human race, fallen human man, in order for us to be saved. Again, angels could not represent us. You know why angels are created beings? Jesus was never created. He's God from everlasting to everlasting. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Angels were created beings, and their job was to do God's bidding. To worship, to adore, to be his messengers, his ministers, to wage spiritual warfare, to communicate on the behalf of God, to announce important things, to protect, to guardian, but never to redeem. No angel has ever redeemed man. Jesus Christ, God come in the flesh, the God-man come to redeem mankind. Angels could never do that job. Now, angels are good, don't get me wrong. We said what they did, but they, they could never be a substitute for our sins. There's a gap that had to be filled. God was looking for a man to stand the gap 
for him. The gap had to be bridged. There had to be a man to redeem man. Thank God Jesus became the God-man. Let me tell you something about our Lord. Once he took that robe upon himself, he remained that way. We'll come back to that. We needed a man. Second of all, we needed a perfect man. A man that didn't sin, but not only that, a man that could not sin. For Christ to be our Savior, our sacrifice for sin, he needed to be without sin himself. And Jesus was without sin. Remember, no one could find fault in him. Remember, at his, at his arrest in the garden and at the crucifixion scene, they had to come up with false accusers, fabricated stories that had to be made up to declare something wrong in him. But here's what Pilate said after investigating him. And listen, Pilate's job was to thoroughly investigate. And he said, I find no fault in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. He knew no sin. Pilate was trying to get out of the job. He's trying to wash his hands of all this. He knew that Jesus was sinless. But because of politics, he couldn't, he had to decide. He couldn't get out of it. But yet he declared, I find no fault in him. That's a fact. That's a truth. Jesus was not only without sin, he was incapable of sin. Listen, if, he, if so, he could not have been the Savior, a suitable substitute for sin by his person and by his type. Think of the Lamb. The Lamb is a type of the sinless Son of God. Slain before the foundation of the world for my salvation and yours. That little lamb did no wrong. And those priests, every day they would go into the courtyard and they would have sacrifices and, and they had to check through that sacrifice constantly. It was a dirty job. It was a filthy job. It was a stinky job. It was death every day, sacrificing those different animals, but especially the lamb. And they'd take that lamb and slit its throat and catch the blood and take the blood into the Holy of Holies, make atonement. For the sins of the people, that lamb did no wrong. Picturing Jesus Christ, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Oh my goodness. And those priests would do that dissecting and do that because it said it had to be a lamb without spot or blemish. Scripture attests, if Jesus had any sin, he could not die for others because he would have had to die for his own sins. See, that high priest, he represented the, the people's sins. So the high priest had to make a sacrifice one time a year for the sins of the people and for himself. And they would slit that animal's throat, catch that blood, and then go behind that veil in the Holy of Holies. And they actually had to tie bells on the bottom of the garments of the priest. Because if they went in there wrong, God kill them. And they'd hear the high priest back there walking, making atonement. He'd take that blood from that lamb and he'd take a hyssop. 
He'd sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. Oh, my goodness gracious. That mercy seat was the top. That mercy seat was the top of the ark, the box. And in that box were three things that described the sins of Israel. And God made sure to do that in type so we'd understand that God, God made atonement for all their sins. Even the people and the priests and the high priest. But Jesus shed his blood on Calvary. And that blood made atonement for everyone. He being the sacrifice for sin. He didn't need a sacrifice for his own sin. He never sinned. He was a sacrifice for my sin and yours. Jesus was born. Born to die. The songwriter said born to give us second birth. That's a fact. Yes, sir. We had to have a man. We had to have a perfect man. And Jesus was the perfect man. He did no sin. And I love this point. We needed a willing man. Yeah. Yes, sir. Hey. I love you. But I don't know if I'd give one of my kids for you. God gave his only begotten son for you and I. Hebrews 10, 7, the Bible says, and lo, I come in a volume in the book it is written of me, now we didn't get this part, to do thy will, O God. Jesus came to do God's will. He willingly, God the Father wanted to send his son and Jesus had to willingly agree and say, I'll go. And Jesus came, born of a virgin, took upon him the veil of flesh, lived a sinless life, suffered all our shame, took all our sin upon him, shed his life's blood, died, went to our hell, rose again the third day, so you and I could have eternal life. God needed a man to do that for man. He needed a perfect man, which was Jesus. He needed a willing man. Thank God Jesus was willing to go to the cross, willing to die for me. It's mind-boggling that God would die for me. To be sin. Who never knew sin. John 4, 34 says that Jesus said it was his meat, his very food to do his Father's will. It's what he lived for. Some people eat to live and some people live to eat. Jesus lived to do his Father's will and his will was you. Me to be saved. Mm. He knew full well what that would mean, what would be entailed, what would be involved to carry out his demise and his death that I might not die, but have eternal life with him. 
And without any hesitation or reservation, Jesus came to die and become my substitute for sin. He was a man. He was a perfect man. He was a willing man. And I like this. He was an approved man. For time, I'll just say five times in your Bible, Matthew 3, Matthew 17, Mark chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, 2 Peter chapter 1, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. Get it now, in whom I am well pleased. You see, the Bible says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Not an angel, not Paul, not any other good teacher, man. He was pleased in Jesus, his son, because God knew what he would mean to us, what we needed. Jesus was accepted of God the Father. God the Father was the architect, the author, the authority, the, ancient, uh, the, uh, the agent of our salvation. Without a doubt, uh, a doubt, God the Father confirmed his approval on his son when he said five times this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. And I'll just give you these. We needed a successful man. John 19, 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Word means to telestia. It means, uh, it means everything's done. Everything's provided. Couldn't do any more. Couldn't do any less. Oh, my goodness. He cried till he was a successful man. Nothing was undone. Nothing could have been approved upon. Nothing needed to be changed or bettered or repeated or tweaked by man. Salvation's work was done by Jesus on the cross, and it pleased the Father. So he was the man, the successful man. We needed, hope I can get through this one, a resurrected man. Look in Luke chapter 24. See, nobody, you know, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, and he was trying to show his power, his authority. But you know, Lazarus had to one day die again. Oh, it was great. Lord, you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And the Lord said, Lazarus, come forth, and he came forth. You know, there's no personal communication there, but I wonder if Lazarus is even happy about that decision, because he might have, it might have been a bummer the rest of his life. We don't know, it's not recorded, but we do know that Lazarus had to have died again. But Jesus died once for sin. And he rose again. Victorious over death, hell, and good. And he's never died. He never will. He's the resurrected man. Luke chapter 24, verse 39. Behold my hands, my feet, that it is I myself, myself, he's saying to his disciples, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. He was showing those boys the evidence. I have died for you. Here's my scars. But I've risen for you. Hmm. 
He took our sin upon him. He became sin for us. His blood was shed to wash away our sin debt. He took our hell. His body literally rose the third day. Now, I say that literally because, again, the cults, they believe it's a mystical type thing that, you know. No, no. He literally, he actually rose from the grave and lived forevermore. The facts are all there in the Easter story. The soldiers fled for fear of the resurrection and his appearance. Mary's at that open grave, and she heard a voice. And he said, Mary. And she said, Rabboni. And she wanted to grab a hold of him. Touch me not, for I'm not ascending to my father yet to make atonement for us. He saw the disciples, and the disciples saw his empty tomb. The disciples assembled in the upper room and they saw their risen I, uh, Lord. And this is where he says, Behold, my hands, my feet, it is I. Be not afraid. Jesus, the resurrected man, has secured our resurrection. When I go to a grave as a pastor, it's always sad. But yet there's joy in knowing that those that have passed are living more than they've ever lived before. And we will see them again. Because Christ rose, we shall rise. What a blessing. Thank God Jesus was the resurrected man we needed. Because we all died in Adam. We need to live in the second or final Adam, Jesus Christ. And lastly, we needed a glorified man. Oh my goodness. Never to die. Jesus was born of a virgin, born of the Holy Ghost, came in the flesh, born to become God-man, born to die for us in our place, to take our sin upon him, born for us, died for us, raised for us. Now Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession of us. Listen, the Christmas story is all about Jesus, but in his mind it's all about us. For us, for us, for us. Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost, that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth, <laughs> to make intercession for them. As I close, I want to point this out. Jesus came. The Creator came. God came. Lord came to save man. To save us. But also this. What a God. To understand human plight. Our human condition. He came and became man so we'd understand our heartache. Our loss. Our sorrow. How do we know that? He stood at Lazarus' tomb before he raised him. And the Bible said Jesus wept. He understood emotionally what mankind went through when they lost someone. He came to understand fleshly weakness and hunger. He was wearied from his labors. He got hungry. Why did the God 
of heaven become man to understand that about us. He understands how frail we are. He being God, he put aside his robe of divinity and took on the robe of flesh and he come to understand us more. The creator, although he was all-knowing and sovereign, there was an aspect of him in his humanity that he came to feel what we feel, understand what we are going through. My goodness. He hurt. He shed tears. He looked over the city of Jerusalem. He came to his own, and his own received him not. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you as a mother hen gathered her chicks, but ye would not. It's sad today, but there may be somebody in here today you've been witness to and witness to and witness to, but you won't do it. I just did a funeral for a man that I witnessed to for good night, 25 years. My kids witnessed to him. Men from this church, ladies from this church, we all tried to win him. And to my knowledge, he never professed Christ. I stood and talked a long time with him, but he would not. He would not. He would not. Oh, my goodness. And there's some here today, I don't know. You will not because you choose not to. And you know what? You got to thank God he even gave you the choice. And same with God's people. God saved your soul, gifted you, wants to use you, but you will not because of some offense or hurt or slight or I don't know. And those are real things. And he knows they're real because he came in the flesh to understand that. Oh, my goodness. Jesus came to understand grief and rejection and weariness. Hmm. I'll finish. And without controversy. There's no sense in even discussing it. Don't debate it. Don't argue it. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. This is a truth. It is an historical fact. One step further, it is an irrefutable and unchangeable fact. How wonderful. I'll close with this line. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Veiled the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. I think last week we had some wonderful truths. You know what I want to say? Wonderful. Truths. Let's bow our heads if we would. Every head bowed. I pray, dear Heavenly Father, there be conviction of the Holy Ghost for that one or few, Lord, that may be here unsaved. Christmas would be a wonderful time for them to get it, Lord, to understand that you came as God to become flesh for them. 
break their heart, convict their soul, bring them to a point, Lord, will they will confess their sin before you and receive Jesus as their Savior. Please, Lord. Then, Lord, be with all of us that know you. Help us to understand what a great God you are to come for us. You had to say no to yourself. What a wonderful Savior you are. Dear Holy Ghost, do preaching that I cannot do. Speak to hearts that I cannot reach. Comfort those this morning, Lord, that are hurting. We know you came so you'd understand. Put your arms around them, Lord, and love on them as only you can. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.